Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? You are listening to The Bird Rights here on Nothing But Net Network on Dash Radio. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes right now, search The Bird Rights, and subscribe today. <laughs> What's up, Pelicans fans, and Merry Christmas! You are listening to the Bird Calls Podcast, and I am your host, Preston Ellis. Today, we're recapping our two most recent holiday affairs with our editor-in-chief, Ali Cosell. What's up, Ali? What's up? What's up, Preston? We made it through the Christmas holidays without getting killed or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Any bad I, stories happening. Bite your tongue, man. It's still early. We still have until at least New Year's Eve at the earliest. Uh, and of course, he's joined by his sleepy cohort, fresh off his nap time, soda in hand. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. And he's joined by Kevin Berrios. How you feeling, Kev? I'm good, man. I've spent the day building Hot Wheels racetracks, and uh, I'm good to go now. Nice. Glad to have both of you guys with us. It's the first time we've talked in, in at least a week. Took a short holiday break there, so glad to be back. Of course, you guys can follow me at Preston Ellis, Kevin at Kevin B for Bounce, and Ali at Ali Cosell. Let's dive right in, you guys. Uh, we'll start with Ali, as we always do, as he is the editor and does a lot more work than the rest of us. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans got two much-needed victories this past weekend in Orlando and Miami, and the games played out uh, pretty much identically, the Pelicans face depleted rosters without the likes of Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, Terrence Ross, Jonathan Isaac, Deion Waiters, Hassan Whiteside, Justice Winslow, and Rodney McGruder, and I'm sure I probably missed some others. With that being said, uh, they, they took care of business. In game one against the Magic, I was in attendance. That's probably a large part of why they did so well. And uh, they were led by the three-headed monster, Anthony Davis, Boogie, and Drew combined for 70. Game two, it was it was more of the bench putting up 44. The team cut down on turnovers, 29 through the two games, and held both opponents under 100 points. So, Ollie, how much of this was smart, energy-driven basketball, doing what the coach tells them, and how much of it was just getting a lucky break against two crippled depth charts? 
<laughs> Cripple. I like that. Come on. We don't take advantage of the, the sick and the wounded and whatever. No, no. These are actually, I think, I want to say two good wins because we, we played um, teams in the past, and let, let, do I need to point any more than that Sacramento Kings game where we lost? To um, when was that December eighth? Um, and you know it, it, that that's not a roster that anybody should be competing with. I mean Zach Randolph scoring over thirty points. No, no, these two guys or these two teams, excuse me, um, they were definitely shorthanded. But Preston, they, they still put up a decent fight, especially the Miami Heat squad. But you touched on already the offense, how well they played. I want to talk about the defense. Uh, the Pelicans have had a tough time keeping opponents underneath hundred points. And before this past uh, weekend, I think they had only held, what was it, four times in the first uh, 32 games, 31 games, something like that. They the opponents under 100 points. And so this was a really big deal. And it was noticeable. For instance, you didn't see those run-out fast-break points. Uh, you didn't see, uh, especially the points off turnovers. Wow. That, I think that was probably the biggest thing. So the Pelicans, regardless of who they play, when they play, Seems like they give up their usual standard 16 to 20 turnovers. That's accompanied by at least 20 points by the opponent. But if I remember right, when I looked at the stats, the Pelicans held both of the teams to under 10. Uh, same thing with fast break points. They had a little bit of an issue with second chance points because somehow they can't always put everything together. So rebounding was a little bit of an issue. But overall, yeah, the offense was wonderful. The big three did their thing against the Magic and then Everybody else stepped up against the Heat. They shot the hell out of that ball. Um, I think what was impressive, like around 60%, they shot from three-point range. So, yeah, the Pelicans just basically steamrolled through Florida. And it'll be interesting to see where this takes them. Because every time we think they've turned a corner with a defense, I don't know if you guys have noticed, every time they've held opponents uh, under 100, it's been uh, three times uh, in back-to-back games. So, let's see if we can make it three in a row before um, – <laughs> I don't know, before the season ends, let's change it up a little bit. Let's not have to wait another 15 games before we uh, the Pelicans can accomplish its feat. Yeah, and Kevin and I are going to touch upon uh, the, the need for a winning streak here a little bit later. And you were right on the money, 60% against the Heat, although they only shot 33% from three against the Magic. Kevin, uh, we just talked about that, and Ollie also addressed how important it was for the Pelicans to get some confidence defensively, te- keeping the two squads under 100 at 97 and 94. But what was your biggest takeaway from the, the two-day trip in Florida? Well, for me, I think uh, what we saw a lot of, which is what I think a lot of us have wanted for most of the season, was uh, DeMarcus Cousins playing more down low. Um, you know, in the Magic game, he was he basically lived inside the uh, inside the arc, and same thing in the Heat game, he he was pretty much inside the arc in that game too, which puts AD as the high man, and uh, I think that works better for us. You know, you don't have Cousins driving with the high dribble creating turnovers you create more mismatches with him down low because uh when he's up high he'll settle for jumpers which teams can guard with one one uh defender whereas uh if ad's at the top at the top he often he won't settle for the for the shot he'll make cuts or he'll drive in uh, or find open spots to, on the floor so i think it just creates much more of a mismatch for the defense that way and i'm very happy to see that and also he was getting calls getting the calls that we expected him to get uh, every night. And he expects, obviously, to get every night because that gets in his head sometimes. So um, it was good to see him rewarded for also playing close to the rim. 
Uh, Kevin, let me ask you a follow-up question really quickly, because having DeMarcus Cousins uh, down in the post is where he's most valuable, but having him up at the key has given a, a jolt of electricity to players like Drew Holiday and Etwan Moore and, and even Dante Cunningham to, to some extent. These guys doing the backdoor cuts, running around screens, and all of a sudden they have all this space for uh, the, the clever finishes that Etwan Moore and Drew Holiday have become known for, this this glorious floater game that Etwan Moore utilizes. How much... How, how nice is it uh, having DeMarcus Cousins at the top of the key from time to time to allow the space for these driving guards? Yeah, I mean, it is nice for him to do that. And there's certainly uh, reasons to do that because that also does create other problems for, for uh, defenders. But I think you can get the same kind of thing with him more at the elbow. You don't have to have him all the way in the post and you can still get that kind of spacing and that kind of those kind of cuts. And, uh, and it also creates all those other things. But of course, I mean, it's nice to see him out there operating a little bit sometimes to just keep the defense honest and uh, throw different looks out there also. I mean, anytime you can throw multiple looks at a defense and cause chaos and confusion, that's what you want. You might be fresh out of a nap time, but your brain is activated, sir. You guys are listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network on Dash Radio. Ollie, let's swing it back to you, man. Uh, let's let's go ahead and preview some upcoming games. The Pelicans head into a very favorable schedule. And, and man, it's time for a winning streak. Like I said, Kevin and I have an article about this either coming late tonight or tomorrow at some point. The next three contests come against teams with combined records of 39 and 61. Eastern Conference uh, foes, the Brooklyn Nets and the New York Knicks, as well as the Dallas Mavericks, who are the bottom dwellers of those three. The Nets fight hard, and the Knicks currently sit eighth in the East at 17 and 16. So these guys are not going to lay down by any means. But yet, three games are all at home, and this stretch is about as easy as it's going to get for the Pelicans until February. These teams have combined to lose 10 of their last 15 games, so it's a it's a good time schedule-wise for the Pelicans to face these three. How important is it, Ollie, for the Pelicans to get a five-game winning streak here? I think it's a really big deal. Um... We, as, as we talked about and seen, the Pelicans throughout most of December were winning one, losing one there for a good two, maybe almost three-week stretch. And overall, I think was it, they've had a couple of three-game winning streaks, a couple of two-game winning streaks, but they haven't really sustained anything. And, and it shows in the effort from almost game to game. So it, it's not like that they, they're deserving of, say, a long winning streak. Although the five wins are, would definitely be nice. I like to see them just sustain that effort, on you know, just like we saw in Florida. I think that's going to be the biggest key with this team. Everybody's talking, writing about the offenses, and I even wrote about them too. But the thing is, with this team, points are not ever going to be an issue. I think we're well into where sample sizes aren't an issue anymore. We're 33 games into the season. The offense has had no, you know, no problems whatsoever. So, and that, you know, that's where the losses come from is on the other side of the ball. So that's what I want to see. I think, regardless of the opponent. Um, although it does help, as you mentioned, we're catching these teams on the, on a good stretch. But, you know, we, we've seen with this team, the Pelicans, that is, it doesn't matter who we play. We're liable to give up um, incredible runs to the opponents simply because the defense isn't there. Uh, I, I won't forget the Atlanta Hawks game where they should have won that game inside the smoothest in King Center. I've already talked about the, the loss to the Kings. So, uh, um, I don't – I mean, Preston – this, the five-game winning streak definitely would be nice. It would probably help their confidence levels more than anything. It'll probably um, maybe be, you know, set some kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, whether it, it, it's something that they're working on. This is what I asked Alvin Gentry today actually in practice was, 
first of all, I asked him about that defense, what they did to improve uh, or why they looked so improved in Florida. And he basically said that the guards got up into the players more and then that the bigs were in pretty much in good position to help out and also stay with their own men. And I can kind of see that. You've noticed with the better defensive teams this season, they put really good pressure on the ball uh, all the way out to the three-point line. And that's been a huge issue for our team. Uh, we've given up either a lot of uh, easy three-pointers. Uh, thankfully, that has kind of died down as to where opponents just aren't, you know, raping us for 15 made threes in a game. Whoa, so whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. That's what it felt like. I mean, the Toronto game, that was back-to-back loss of Toronto. I mean, they got every three-pointer they won. It seemed like they made, you know, a gazillion of them. So, yeah, it, it kind of felt like that. <laughs> oh, Sorry man. for the poor choice in words, guys. <laughs> but uh, let's move on, okay? Yeah, five-game winning streak. I think, Preston, they've got to do it. it it'll help it'll be a boost to their confidence. They can maybe sustain a defensive effort. Maybe this will be like a turnaround as to where they have found something that works. They can continue on that. And energy won't be such a big problem because I still feel like that's the number one issue with this team. If they don't have that requisite energy for most of the 48 minutes of the game, they're liable to lose anybody. Yeah, and both Alvin Gentry and Demarcus Cousins addressed defensive intensity and keeping it going for 48 minutes during uh, their open availability media practice today. Ali was in attendance, and you can see some of those interviews at pelicans.com slash live, as well as a a quick five minutes from Rajon Rondo. And you can hear some of uh, Ali's questions that he directed to Alvin Gentry on there. Make sure you check that out. Kevin, let's sling it to you. Each of the Pelicans' next three games are at home. Five of the next eight are at home. They've had a tough stretch as of late, having lost eight of 12 before heading to Florida, five of which they led by double digits and then lost in the fourth quarter. Do you expect the Pelicans to head into next week, 20 and 16, as a follow-up to Ollie's question? And if they do, what do you expect the national media's reaction to be to it? I mean, I expect them to win these three games. I think the the toughest one, well, I think uh, they're kind of, sandwich because I think the Brooklyn Nets are a better team than people think that they are. They, they're very well coached. They're very disciplined and they play with a lot of energy and intensity and they, they, they've lost a lot of close games. Um, so that one's not going to be much of a cakewalk. Um, I think, I mean, I do expect us to win. We're definitely the superior team uh, talent wise. And uh, if we play with the right intensity, like we saw us play with in Florida, then we should win this game and I expect this to, um, but I think it's not going to be uh, a blowout. Like we, we saw in Florida. I don't think we're going to get to rest guys. Like we'd like, we, like we would like down the stretch, you know, I think um, it's going to be nip and tuck and we'll pull away in the fourth. Dallas is a team that we should, uh, we should beat them pretty handedly. I mean, uh, they, their big men are, are, they just don't match up well with ours. And if we use our strength the right way, um, we should uh, take care of business there and hopefully be able to rest our players and then go into what might be the toughest matchup against the Knicks because, you know, it's kind of interesting in the off season, you know, everybody was like, how is this going to work for the Pelicans, these two centers uh, starting for us and how they're going to coexist. And then now we're seeing like, you know, the Spurs have been playing uh, Gasol and Aldridge and then basically a power forward and Kyle Anderson while Kawhi was out. At, in their front line together and then now we're playing the Knicks team who basically is also playing two centers at the same time um so it, it's uh becoming more more of an accepted thing when we thought we were more of the odd 
odd man out. Um, so that's an interesting matchup. And those two guys crash the offensive glass. They rebound. They're dynamic on offense. So we need to make sure that um, we have that defensive intensity. And I think if we start to show that defensive intensity with what Ollie said about our offense and, you know, I think it's definitely going to open some eyes, especially, you know, even though those are the, the teams that we would have beaten five in a row aren't, uh, you know, people who are, who are uh, like world beaters at the time, it's still five wins in a row. And I think, you know, you're going to start seeing people jumping back on the bandwagon and calling us a league pass uh, darling team and those kind of things. So um, it'll be exciting for the city. Hopefully uh, local fans will get more engaged as well, you know. Yeah, it'll definitely be a nice contrast to some of the stuff with, that came out last week with the Anthony Davis, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski article. Make sure you check that out where Anthony Davis just uh, pretty much expels his disgust with with losing. He mentions winning 22 times. I, I shouldn't say he downplays losing. He just kind of vents his frustration, talks about how he wants a winner and how he wants to bring one to New Orleans. But just the fact that he took the meeting puts a lot of Pelicans fans on edge. And to continue uh, what Kevin was talking about, with the Brooklyn Nets, of course, the Knicks are 17 and 16 playing well, as well as he mentioned the Brooklyn Nets. They beat the Wizards a few days ago by 35. Of course, this was one game back of John Wall and Otto Porter. These guys played uh, limited minutes and they did not play well. They were both very rusty. With that being said, they beat a professional basketball team by 35. That's impressive. And then I actually watched their game against the Pacers about four days ago where they lost 123 to 119 in the final minute. But at one point in the third quarter, they were up by 17 and looked masterful. So definitely not going to be easy by any means. I don't want our listeners to think that. But with that being said, it is the second night of a back-to-back. We do have them in the Smoothie King Center next game. You have to win. Ali, with that being said, somebody asked Alvin Gentry today at practice about you know teams being hampered by back-to-backs, and he kind of downplayed it. He said something. I don't have the quote in front of me, but he basically said, you know, it's about a 40-minute flight from San Antonio. These are professional athletes. It's not a, as big a deal as we all think it is. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, absolutely. He's gotten that question multiple times uh, just this year alone that I've noticed. And, uh, you know, Preston, the bottom line, I think, is it, it's not that hard on the, the, um, on the player's body anymore like it used to be. Because, let, let's face it, they travel first class. It's a direct flight from city to city. Uh, and they have the best trainers in the world, so they do all the necessary things pre- and post-game. So I think that's a big deal. You know, you get your body prepared, you know, three or four hours in the air, all the flight time is not going to really put a hurting on, you know, whether there's soreness, um, you know. Usually I've heard, what is it, sprains get a little bit puffier, um, any kind of bruise kind of red more, simply because, you know, the, the uh, lower air pressure kind of plays like that with uh, human bodies. But that's not so much an issue. And, of course, diet. Everything's changed. Everything is still geared towards getting the most performance, high performance out of players that I think Gentry, Alvin Gentry's right. These little trips across, you know, half the country just don't matter anymore. Sleeping in hotel beds, um, just it, it's just not the same like it was even, I'd say, maybe 15 years ago. So I'm with him, you know. It's, it's hard to want to, you know, we like to point it back to back. I truly think there's only a couple cities, a couple trips where, it really kind of plays a role. And that's whenever a team goes either into Utah or into Denver, I think altitude, that's about the only thing that you can't really prepare teams for within 24 hours after finishing the game. But other than that, yeah, I'm in full agreement with Alvin. 
But what about recovery mode, just to follow that up quickly? Uh, you know, obviously it's annoying to have to go to an airport, you know, pack your bags, all that stuff. But that only takes like at max two hours. So it's not as inconvenient as we lead it up to believe, although maybe it is emotionally. But as far as physically, even though these guys have top-notch trainers, just as an average ordinary everyday person if you let's say run a 10k outside and you have to run another one the same day it's still difficult to recover versus when you have a week to do the exact same thing you don't think having i don't know 38 minutes on the hardwood like anthony davis drew holiday and demarcus cousins typically do doesn't i don't know add some aches and pains to the next night no because well first of all to make it your comparison don't they run typically an nba player runs you know if he plays a full uh, starters minute roughly a little bit over two miles every game. Um, and, and what I was talking about, pressing like the pre- and post-game stuff, it's not just the trainers. It's, have you noticed some of the stuff these guys use where they get into these bags that somehow help swelling, and you can even wear it while you're on the plane? And they have these uh, cryo-something chambers. They have all sorts of things that basically just take away all this tension, any kind of bruises. Um, they just lessen everything to where they can dissipate pain. Um you know, this, this is making for a great topic idea, I'm thinking here, the back of my mind is we're talking about this now to see exactly how different things are just from, say, five years ago. But, it, but I mean, look across the league, Preston. I, I don't see any more of those back-to-back losses, do you? Uh, it, it, I, I wish I had the Pelicans right in front of me. I could just look at what have they done so far this year and back-to-back. I don't know. Do any of you guys have that in front of you? I how do, actually. Fared, like, on the second? Okay. The Pelicans, um, it would take me a second to do all the math, but the Pelicans have actually lost to three different teams this year on the second night of a back-to-back. And that's why I think maybe Alvin Gentry is trying to outsmart himself into downplaying this, is if you think you have an advantage, maybe you necessarily take your foot a little bit off the gas pedal. We've already seen uh, with the... I can't I can't find the other team, but the Magic was the first one. Uh, these mm-hmm. teams who came on the second night of a back to back and were able to still upset the Pelicans. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't feel like an advantage when you're losing to a team, especially at home. So I can definitely understand his sentiment in that article. Let's let's get moving on this. But I definitely would like to to expand on this further. Maybe this could be an article all three of us could research and combine on. Uh, by the way, you guys are listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network on Dash Radio. Kevin, we haven't gotten to you in a second. So let's let's talk a bit about some comments from the Pelicans practice today, which was open to the media. We'll start with Boogie. Um, of course, Ali was present there, but we're going to start with Kevin, and then we'll swing it over to Ali. Uh, Boogie spoke in depth about Drew Holiday and his importance to the squad. Um, he went on about it for about three minutes, actually. And Drew Holiday, as uh, either Ollie or the Bird Rights mentioned today on Twitter, is averaging 22-5-4 in December. And he's really accelerated the offense to the next level, or at least helped to do so. Do you expect in the upcoming month, Drew Holiday's play is going to regress a little bit, stay the same? Or do you think he can still improve, Kevin? You know, that's a that's a tough question because we've never really seen Holiday sustain something for this long as we've seen. We've seen flashes of, of this a bit, and we've seen, you know, flashes of in, ineptitude for a while, too. Um, he's just been inconsistent through most of his career, but this is probably the most consistent he's been so far since he's been a Pelican. And I think he looks comfortable. He looks happy. Um, so... I think that I want to say it will sustain. I don't know that it'll necessarily improve, uh, but I mean, do we really need it to improve? What he's putting up right now is incredible. And if we get that from him, then, and we get what we get from AD and DeMarcus Cousins and 
Etwan Moore is playing great and Darius Miller is playing well. I, I mean, that's all you really need. Um, so I'm very happy with the Drew Holiday we have. And I, I want to believe that this is the one we're going to have for most of the, you know, for the, of course, we'll have off nights. Everybody does, but um, what you should expect every night going forward. All right, let's swing it over to Ali. There were some comments mentioning that as well as uh, defensive intensity. Like I mentioned, uh, Boogie and Gentry went in on that for a while. Uh, first of all, let's let's just start with Drew Holiday. Do you expect his play to regress, as I just mentioned? Do you think he can continue 22-5-4 for the remaining four months of the season? Or do you think there's even another level that Rajon Rondo is possibly going to help him unlock? I don't think he, another level is even possible when you're playing next to Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, he's already shooting over 50% from the field, over 40 from three. This this is as good as it's going to get. You've got to think when he's going to average, what, 14 or 15 shots a game, and he doesn't get to the free throw line all that often. So, no, this is about, you know, the max I think we can expect. But the good thing I feel like is this just seems like a different Drew Holiday. Um, I've watched every single game pretty much since he's put on a New Orleans Pelicans uniform, but he's never looked this confident, this assertive, uh, and looking for his shot. Um, even when, you know, even when he, that three ball wasn't dropping earlier in the season, once he got past his first 10 games, he started really just shooting shots, just jacking them up, even though they were missing more times than not. Eventually, uh, they started dropping right around the time Rondo uh, returned back from injury. So, I, I feel kind. I want to say I feel kind of hopeful that he can sustain this for probably at least the majority for the rest of the season. I mean, he's going to have those off nights, but as far as having some kind of regression to where he's going to go through a three or four week lull, I just don't see it happening. Not when you've got you know the two all NBA talents and you've got Rondo who just makes the game so easy for uh, Holiday out there. All he's got to worry about is defense, and then just when he gets the ball, attacking from the wing or cutting and Wow, I mean, it, he just looks like a totally different player. So I don't, I don't see how he regresses unless somebody gets hurt and suddenly there's more put on his shoulders. That would be about the only scenario, I think that you know Preston would knock him down a bit, down a peg or two. All right, I'm doing yeah, some some quick. I just want to say, like, I, yeah, I, I, I think the biggest shift we all agree would be just in his mentality. So if he just maintains that mentality, then we should expect what he's doing right now to carry forward at you know at some level Alvin Gentry was talking about Darius Miller and I want to marry this to what we're saying about Drew Holiday he was saying it was good for Miller in Germany just to just be the number one guy build up his confidence get those shots be the primary target offensively and uh there was a a game I can't remember specifically which one he was uh referencing where Darius Miller didn't have a good game and he said the next morning in practice he was drilling everything and with that being said I want to tie this this is this is all going to make sense at the end to uh some comments made about Kevin Durant just unlocking himself defensively. And when asked about it, he said, I just don't have to work as hard on the offensive end. And I want to tie that to DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis, because both of them have the capability to be, I I don't know, better defenders, at least at their position in the NBA. Of course, we all know that Anthony Davis was second uh, all-team defensive uh, last year. But with that being said, Drew Holiday shot 16.8 shots per game in the month of December. In previous months, he was just putting up 13. The more of the reins we give to Drew Holiday, do we expect that, I don't know, that can that can free up players like Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins to give more defensively and to become those lockdown defenders that we know they're capable of, Kevin? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you have a uh, if you ease a burden on one side, the other side should flourish more. I mean, that's just you can put out energy more on the other side. If you don't feel like you have to carry a team anymore, if you can trust your teammates, and I think that's one of the things that happened with Boogie. Also, is like him playing a different way is is a result of him realizing that he has players around him that can make plays. Like, you know, we talked about this a few podcasts back. I, I it was, I mean, it's been several now. I, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I remember I was, it was the one when I was walking around outside. Um, but uh, we, <laughs> we were, yes, uh, I remember that episode. Oh yeah. We're, we're talking about how, you know, the teammates he's had uh, in the past, he couldn't really rely on, you know, he never had players like Anthony Davis or this new Drew Holiday, plus these emerging role players like Etwan Moore and Darius Miller that he could trust to carry the load for him. Um, so he was exerting all his energy and, you know, mental energy, physical energy on, on trying to score every basket and trying to make every play. And now he can kind of sit back a little bit and hopefully that'll start to translate into him being a better defender. And we've seen him putting out more energy on defense the last couple of games. And I think that is a direct correlation of everybody else emerging and him having trust in his teammates now. Ollie, uh, the same line of questioning. DeMarcus Cousins is averaging 19 shots a game. Anthony Davis is 16. And Drew Holiday on the year is just under 15. Uh, this might be crazy to say, but would you want to take the ball away from DeMarcus Cousins, maybe even Anthony Davis at some moments, give Drew Holiday more touches and emphasize more defense on that end from Davis and DeMarcus Cousins? I think you're absolutely right, but I think that's just something that's going to have to happen on a spur of the moment. And what I mean by that is depends on the team you're playing. What are they going to try and take away from the Pelicans? Are they going to throw at the kitchen sink at Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins? If so, then you're, you're absolutely right. Go through Holiday. Go through Etwan Moore. Um, Darius Miller, all the shooters, all the cutters, Ian Clark. That, 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 this is a nice story that's building up, too. Um, so to answer your question, yeah, Preston, I, I think without a doubt you want every, you know, every major piece kind of handling the load certain nights to give you know, certain other guys a break. Uh, you, you want Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins to not feel the need to score 30 points because when you do – um, it's not so much as AD gets detrimental to the, the team's offense, but it's DeMarcus. He tries to do too much. Uh, it's been the story of his career. And then granted, he, he's never gotten really any help until it seems like this season with the Pelicans, where he is surrounded by such a wealth of options. And I think we're seeing, you know, glimpses and hopefully knock on wood uh, to where these, like that last two games. Um, if I remember right, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think DeMarcus took seven shots against the Miami Heat. It was some ridiculously low yeah, number. It was that. Okay. And so there you go. And, and what would the Pelicans win by like 15, 16, 17 points? Uh, the victory was like never in doubt. And, and I found that game so surprising because we kept on scoring, but it felt like the Heat were playing a decent game, but yet the Pelicans were up by 20 points. And look at that. DeMarcus shoots the ball seven times. Um, I, I don't know. I think that, that, that gives us the answer right there. Pelicans can still put up 110 points without Boogie launching up to even 10 shots. Yeah, if the options are there, if they're being efficient, if they're open, um, you don't want Drew Holiday taking step back threes, too many heat checks, you know, those type of shots. But like I said, it all depends on what the opponents do against the Pelicans. If, if they truly are intent on taking away one, both of the bigs, then yeah, I want to see Holiday end up with maybe the most shots in the game. He's proven he's an efficient guy. I mean, over these last 15 games, 
like like I tweeted out earlier today, he's shooting over 50% from the floor. I'll take that every day. And, and you should ride a guy like that, too. Yeah, DeMarcus Cousins did have five turnovers against the Miami Heat, but you're absolutely right. He had 16, oh, AD picky, 17. Picky, picky. I can't stop, man. Uh, <laughs> Drew Holiday had 13, and Ian Clark, of course, led all scores with 19, and Alvin Gentry greatly praised him during the practice today, saying that it's difficult for a rotational guy to be out of the lineup for three days and or three games and then be pressed into action. Ali, is there anything else that I missed from practice that you want to tell our listeners? No, that was the main thing. I wanted to ask him about the defense and because that, that's, that's the biggest key moving forward for me. If the Pelicans can, you know, have some kind of, you know, semblance of being, uh, you know, slowing the ball down, stopping opponents in certain areas of the floor, then they have a chance to be a really good team. And that's when the wins are going to start taking off, I feel like. But as of right now, even though the Pelicans have a top five offense, uh, they're one of the top scorers in the NBA. You know what? Their defense has been just that much, just a little bit more abysmal. Uh, as to where they're giving up just another additional point or two a game. I forget what the stats are. I wish I had these in front of me. But let's say the Pelicans are averaging about 110 points a game over the last 20 games. They're giving up like 111, 112 on the other end. So I don't think you can ask the offense to do more. It's all about the defense. So that's what I wanted to get out of Alvin. He, he answered that really well. In addition to what I've already mentioned about what the guards and the bigs are doing, um, he, he touched on this, and I think this is really, truly important. And he basically said the Pelicans have gotten into these tendencies where, as to where the defense kind of just loses its intensity, loses its focus, whether it's one game, the whole team, or something like that, because of how well they're scoring the ball. I mean, when you're putting up 30, 35, 40 points in a quarter, I mean, who, who cares how much you give up? Because more than likely, you know, that's going to be enough to win or, you know, give you the advantage, even though we haven't seen that's the case. So, he says the Pelicans have fallen in that trap all too often this season as to where they're just simply not translating that effort that you see on the offense when it is clicking to the defensive end at the same time. And as Alvin said, the most, that's the most important time to do it is because that's when you get the separation. That's when you can get a lot of momentum. That's where you can start um, breaking the team's spirit, uh, the opponent's spirit. So I found that probably would be the most interesting part. Uh, you've already touched on all the others. He really talked in depth about Darius Miller, Drew Holiday, and uh, Ian Clark. That's something we haven't talked about. But he was just basically praising how great it is to see Ian, who you know hasn't been asked of all that much to even get on the floor and play minutes. That suddenly he has found his stroke and he's contributing positively out there. So um, it was a pretty positive, you know. Well, then again, why wouldn't it be after two games? It's Christmas holidays. But, no, the team seemed in good spirits. And even Boogie seemed, smiled a few times. Uh, I want to say I saw his little son out there. There was a lot of kids playing on the court uh, when the players were doing their uh, media sessions. And I'm guessing that was mostly all the players' kids out there because, obviously, they're not in school. It's Christmas break. All the families are together. But uh, it was good to see Boogie out there. He was smiling, staring at his little boy, and being cordial with everybody, a little more than usual. Yeah, I was glad you mentioned that because I definitely took notice of that. And before anybody gets upset that there's, you know, a, a gang full of children playing basketball during a, a professional Pelicans practice, remember that it is the holidays. Uh, Christmas was yesterday. So it was nice to see all these guys with their families having a bit of fun. Uh, you are listening to the Bird Rice on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Kevin, it's your turn. Uh, let's let's start on these Brooklyn Nets before we get to some articles uh, Ollie's written, including some trade ideas, some high-octane offense stuff that we want to touch on a little bit more, just break down the numbers a little bit. Uh, and by the way, those numbers, uh, 110.6 points per game, field goal percentage 
three-point percentage, 38%, effective field goal percentage, 55.6, and true shooting, 58.6. This is all directly stolen from Ollie's article here on thebirdrice.com. Make sure you check that out. Kevin, back to you. The Brooklyn Nets are right behind the Pelicans offensively. We're seventh. They're ninth. They've got 107.6 points per game. They are 27th defensively, very similar to the Pelicans, uh, as you might notice. Now, they promise to be a handful, as we've mentioned, but but why should the Pelicans expect to win this one? And I should mention that D'Angelo Russell is not back. He's their leading scorer at over 20 points per game, but he is out until January. Uh, what what do you expect to transpire in this game? Well, I think, you know, our bigs should beat up their bigs. I mean, they got a, a Zeller brother playing down low, and then um, I guess uh, Damari Carroll is basically the starting power forward for them right now. Um, and he'll be matched up against Anthony Davis. And while sometimes Anthony Davis has trouble with smaller covers, I think, you know, he's – Demar Carroll's not, a, like, a, a really fast player, and he's not – I think he doesn't pose the kind of threat that other guys do when they're guarding Anthony Davis. Um, so I think, you know, our our bigs definitely – mismatch against them i mean overall talent wise we have a much better team you know in terms of uh players on the team it's just they play with really good chemistry they play really smart their coach knows how to get them in in uh smart situations one thing is i don't think they have a great uh like pick and roll big man attack whereas other teams would and that's what gets uh us in trouble defensively sometimes with uh um DeMarcus Cousins trying to defend on a pick and roll. And I mean, if they're running pick and rolls with with the, uh, I forget which Zeller they have, uh, you know, I, that doesn't really scare me much. And I it's think Tyler, that's by the way. one, <laughs> it's which one? Tyler. Tyler. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, they got Mozgov, who's a pretty good pick and roll guy, but he, he comes off the bench. Um, so he'll have, he'll have limited minutes, I guess. Uh, or, you know, unless we get, uh, Zeller and foul trouble or they adjust their lineups to match up against us that might change things but um yeah I just think we should brutalize them inside um their guards you know without uh Spencer Dinwiddie's playing pretty decent so far this year but I mean obviously I would expect Rondo or Drew Holiday to lock him up and uh you know, Etwan will have uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who's a who's a defend who's a really good defender, who might give uh, Etwan trouble on the wing. But in terms of defending him, I think Etwan will be fine, um, stopping him from scoring. So, I just think the matchups, um, personnel-wise, are greatly in favor of us. It's just a matter of intensity, really, um, and I think we should come out with that intensity. I mean, I'm sure these guys want to keep a streak going, um, so. I think they'll be prepared for that. And I think, you know, they're a team that I think Alvin Gentry and the rest of the coaching staff understands how dangerous this team is and will make sure that they don't take them lightly going into the matchup. Yeah, Ali, they have a starting lineup right now. Spencer Dinwiddle, Alan Crabb, and uh, then a guy that we have some uh, trade talk rumors about, Rondé Hollis Jefferson with the Pelicans, Damari Carroll, and who are they even starting at center? Um, it's not Timothy Moskov. I guess it's Tyler Zeller, but he's only yeah, averaging watching, 15 I'm, minutes a game. That's why I asked. Uh, sorry, I'm what were you saying? Right now, play the Spurs. They're, it's Zeller starting for him against the Spurs right now. 
Nice. Uh, so, Ali, what do you expect to happen in this game? By the way, I should mention that they do have a, a nice three-point shooting attack, and that is something that the Pelicans suffer against. They've got guys like uh, Spencer, who's 36 from the floor, uh, newly appointed Nick Stauskas, 52% from the floor, as well as Isaiah Whitehead, 42, Damari Carroll, 36, and Alan Crabb at 36.5. Ali, what do you expect to happen in this matchup tomorrow night? You, you nailed it. Preston, the only things I'm looking at is you've got to basically pose some resistance to the Nets. Uh, they're an ultra-aggressive team. That's the way they've been coached um, ever since um, – oh, God. Uh, who, who's the head coach? My God, I'm escaping. What was that? Atkinson. Yeah, Atkinson. Atkinson. Yeah. Excuse me. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, Kenny. When he first got there, he uh, basically installed this run-and-gun style of offense, and that's what scares me. You know, the Pelicans have got to do something defensively. defensively. Otherwise – the Nets, who shoot a crazy amount of threes, but they also get to the free throw line or free throw line a lot. Sorry, I'm the one that's tired. I'm the guy that needs a nap, by the way, guys. Because I've been <laughs> a bit, so I start slurring. That's why. But uh, yeah, that that that's the thing, Preston. I think the Pelicans should win, but it's all going to come down to can we just dissuade them on enough three point shots, not let them get easily to the hoop. Because these guys are aggressive and they can catch fire, even though they're a very poor shooting team overall. You don't want them to suddenly get, start the game with like five open looks, get to the hoop, all of a sudden, you know, get get that range, figure out the range by get, shooting a bunch of free throws. So the Pelicans have got to come out strong defensively and just basically force the Nets into much tougher shots. If they give them way too many easy ones, this Brooklyn Nets team, I don't have to remind you guys, do I, what they did? to uh, the Pelicans just a year ago. I think they scored 146 points on us, and Alvin Gentry even made mention of that after today's practice. You know, he reminded us, and obviously we all remember that. So he's like, this is what can happen if our guys don't show up. So the threat is there, but I don't expect it to happen, Preston. I feel like there's enough good vibes. These guys have a lot of time off. They finally found something that kind of is working defensively, and energy is not being an issue. So, you know, if they can just continue down that road, they should be fine. All right, and we should mention that they are the third best three-point shooting team in the NBA. And one thing that's particularly scary about this uh, Nets team is how effective they are in the second half of games. They really like to flex their muscles with their depth chart. Over 10 guys get uh, over 10 minutes a game. So Kenny Atkinson really goes to all the depths of their roster. They score 29 points a game in the third, 27% in the fourth. So scary in the second half. Don't feel safe against this team. Let's continue with our line Preston, of questions. Real quick, Preston, real quick, you just said they're the third best three-point shooting team. What do you mean by that? Because I know percentage-wise, they're awful. Their conversion rate is awful. They're like around 34%. Yeah, this is uh, just on made three-pointers per game in terms of uh, oh, okay. They, okay. Gotcha. They, they shoot them a lot and they make them a lot. But as right. far as their percentage goes, they're at 34.5, which is good for okay. third to last. But they are going to be jacking them up. Um, yep. So the Pelicans are going to have to make sure that they get hands in the face, chase them out to the perimeter. But good for you for policing me, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess your point is let them take them. Hey, if they're going to miss them, they can shoot all the ones that they want. Well, force them in the bad ones. That's what you want to do. Force them in the bad ones. Yeah, and rebound. Right. And yeah. rebound as well. Second you, chances, yes. Those kill. Oh, never mind. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> We've talked about on. the Nets enough. I was, you read my mind. You guys are listening to the Bird Rice on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Let's talk about uh, a couple of things that are up on the birdrice.com. Uh, before we go to Ollie's article, as I keep referencing, it's it's very exciting. We're going to get there eventually, guys. And of course, that's the high octane offense uh, one that's currently featured on Bleacher Report. Kevin, 
let's talk about our trade column and talk about some of your favorite trade ideas. I know you had uh, mention of your boy Rashawn Holmes and Nerlens Noel on there. If the Pelicans were to dive into the trade market, that is quickly approaching. This year, it's it's only a month from now. They want it three weeks before the All Star break. What what guys would you hope that the Pelicans would target at this point in the season? Um, you know, I still don't believe that we're going to do anything um, just because of what we have to work with and how well we're playing right now. But, you know, I still think the biggest hole on our roster, especially because we will be getting Solomon Hill back and Tony Allen back, is a backup big man that we can trust for long periods of time. So I would be looking for a guy who could play the four or the five or both, uh, preferably. And, uh, you know, he's been a number one target for me for a long time for a guy that plays that position is Kyle O'Quinn. I think, you know, he does a lot of what DeMarcus Cousins does. He's a good playmaker out of the post, a good rebounder. He scores well around the basket, a decent defender, shot blocker. He can be, he has a good mid-range shot and even takes some threes now. Um, Rashawn Holmes. I love that guy, but I don't see Philly trading him now. He's been playing so well and becoming such an integral part of that team. Um, I saw today that I think it was Kevin O'Connor posted on the ringer. He had Dario Saric listed on, on there as a possible trade target for teams, which is interesting. I like that guy, too. I had actually suggested um, the Pelicans trade Ryan Anderson for his draft rights uh, you know, a few years ago. Um, so he's a guy I like too. That would be that would be a, a good get. And I always like Trey Lyles as well. But I think now that um, when Jokic went went down and Millsap was out and Trey Lyles started to uh, emerge a little bit in Denver, which he seemed like more of an afterthought at the beginning of the season. But now I think they see some value in him, and I don't don't think he'd be easy to get. Um, so you know, I, I still think Kylo Quinn's at the top if you can. Uh, give New York something that they want, you know, it would have to take, uh, because he's in the last year of his contract. So they might be willing to let him go with, uh, cancer and, um, and, and um, Chris stops on the team, you know, so if you can get him to buy into a Jensen salary, you can make that trade with some draft picks to give him some ammo in the, in the draft or to put together for some other pieces that could possibly work. Um, but, but I really don't see the Pelicans making a move, honestly. Yeah, some of the other guys mentioned in the article. Uh, I know Kevin Barrios is a big fan of Jonathan Simmons, and Jamal goes in-depth on him. Uh, Ali, let's go over to you. Uh, you're a Damari Carroll fan, or James Ennis from Memphis Grizzlies, as mentioned in, in your article, and we're going to get a chance to see Damari against the Nets. Why would you hope the Pelicans would target him? Well, I think the Pelicans need a big wing. Um, as for Kevin feels a little confident, I think, I think a little too confident, that both Solomon Hill and Tony Allen are going to come back and you can rely on them as soon as they get back. I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side of the boat. I've seen too many injuries. I'm too big of a doubting Thomas now. Um, and, and another thing that I want to mention that nobody's talked about, and I meant to ask Alvin about today, is, I don't know, you guys recall Dante Cunningham. How many games did he, like, started? And then uh, the Pelicans would play, and then at some point during the game, the PR department would release that he is listed as questionable, whether it's a back, I forget some of the other maladies they've listed, but he was questionable to return. In some games he did return, other games he did. Um, I, I just feel like that might be a sign that, you know, Dante's body's even, you know, cracking down a little bit, or maybe there's an underlying issue. So with, with the three of those guys kind of, you know, almost being question marks for me, uh, I still don't think we can expect, first of all, Solomon Hill to even come back and, 
be ready um, after a torn hamstring to jump right back on the pole, be able to run up and down the court for even, say, 25 minutes and have his uh, rhythm, his shot, all that there uh, ready to contribute. I, I just don't see it. I think it's going to take him at least a month of playing in games just to get in any kind of semblance of game shape. And then within this offense, um, and they're flying up and down the floor. They've gotten into such a good flow. So I've got my doubts. That's why I want the Pelicans to go strictly after this big, like, three, small four type of combo. And Damari's at the top of my list because the Nets, I mean, it's been well known. Ever since they landed him, they were probably going to flip them for some kind of future assets. And I'm pretty sure that's still, you know, I haven't heard anything to the alternatives. So you've got to still expect that's what they're going to be seeking. And the fact that I think he does have a second year, so not only this year, but he's a guaranteed contract for next year, too. That's going to make um, it an easier almost trade for the Pelicans or, you know, a team that doesn't want to give up too many assets because he is not um, um, – um, God, look at me. My brain's just stopped working uh, in his final year of a contract. So uh, he, he's a good target. And then you've got James Bennett, who I think the Memphis Grizzlies would probably want to move. They're going to be looking to probably start selling off all these pieces that they thought would help them in the uh, playoff run. Now suddenly they don't need him. That's why I, I saw that article Kevin mentioned about Kevin O'Connor, and Tyreek Evans was at the top of his list. And if Tyreek Evans is playing as well as he has, and he's a trade chip, you've got to think a guy like James Ennis, who has had even trouble uh, cracking the rotation, certainly can be movable. Um, I like him simply because he's got that all-around game. He's uh, played in the system under Alvin. Uh, I know it'd be a little bit different this time around with Chris Finch now and Song, you know, tweaking everything. But I feel like he could just step right in, play in the positions two through four, or yeah, two through four. He can knock down a long-range shot, and he, I love the athleticism that he would bring. I feel like this team needs to do a better job with the rebounding, as we all have, I think, mentioned on these podcasts numerous times. Um, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus need help down low, and James Ennis is a pretty good rebounder. I think against us, I think in that first game of the year, if I remember right, he had double digits. I want to say 11. So that's what I'm looking at. Just think you've got to look at teams pressing that are not going to make the playoffs. So they're in the bottom. They're going to be trying to sell off all the pieces they can get for future assets. And those are the first two that popped in my head. All right. We've got some questions, uh, some mailbag stuff that I want to get to really quickly before we proceed. And I want to start with Robert Winston because we've already answered this one, but I just want to make sure we shout his name out. He says, Drew Holiday's current 15-game run realistic or just a regression to the mean from his poor start? So wanted to make sure that we address that one. Thank you for your question, Robert. Next up, uh, Ali, I might send you a way to do a, a bit of research on this one while I swing over to Kevin. The question is, if Drew keeps playing this good, how much will we end up paying him with those incentives? I've got one of them right in front of me. If Drew Holiday plays in 66 games, which he is certainly on pace to, he's already halfway there, and totals at least 2,075 minutes this season, he'll definitely meet that threshold at this point as he's one of the league leaders in minutes played. He's going to get an extra $510,000 for this season alone. Ali, if you could take a minute and find the rest of those incentives for us, I'll swing this over to Kevin, and uh, we'll go with this one. Which current players in the rotation, Kevin, this is from uh, It's Miller Time at Phelps a lot, can see the floor in a playoff game versus other Western Conference playoff teams, in your opinion? I mean, I think all of them except for uh, Diallo, Ashik, and Agenza, and, and of course the, uh, the two, um, you know, Cook and uh, Jones. I mean, all of those guys are performing really well. 
so I mean Ian Clark was on the Warriors and and playoff runs. Uh, Darius Miller is lighting up the court, and he's also becoming a a, a really nice passer. He's penetrating. He's becoming a better uh, a pretty good on ball defender. Um, Etwan Moore has been incredible. He's doing everything that you want. Um, and that's what I wanted to touch on too a little bit with uh, when uh, Ali was talking about he having a lot of faith in Solomon Hill and in um, Tony Allen coming back. It's not necessarily that. It's just that I have a lot of faith in Etwan Moore as I always have, and in now in Darius Miller to also play that wing. And then you add in Solomon Hill and Tony Allen. So I feel like we got a lot of guys that can play the three right now. Um, and then, you know, of course, Drew Holiday's playing at an all-star level right now. And then, you know, we got our two bigs. So those guys are great. Rondo has played in the playoffs. You know, look at what he did in the playoffs last year before he got hurt. Um, Jameer Nelson's a pro that that can play in the playoffs. So, I mean, we have a, a lot of guys that are uh, primed to be able to sustain in the playoffs and get big minutes. So I'm not uh, concerned about the roster at all. I think we have a really solid roster. I've always said that, that you know, I feel like they'll get victimized, I mean, brutalized a lot, and he's put together a really nice roster. And look at the guys that have walked away that are thriving in other spots. It's just he's had some bad luck, and now hopefully things are turning his way. You know, he has a roster that's staying healthy and gelling finally. Uh, before I get to Ali, I'm going to answer this one real quick. Is Rondo taking making the most threes in his career this season? This is from Solomon. And actually, the answer is no. In the 2015-16 season in Sacramento, he was two and a half shots per game at a pretty admirable 36.5%. His best three-point shooting year came just last year with the Bulls. He only shot 1.9 per game, but he was close to 38%. This year, he's just below those Sacramento numbers at 2.2 three-point shots per game, and he's just above that percentage at 36.6. So he's shooting almost his highest uh, for his career, except for that year in Sacramento, and he's pretty far up there as uh, as far as efficiency as well. Thank you for the question. Let's go back to Ali. Did you find any more of those incentives? I remember, uh, uh, what's his name? Bobby Marks had some of those on ESPN uh, a bit ago. I don't know if you were able to uncover them. Yeah. I did find, but you know what the word I was trouble coming up with expiring. I wanted to say expiring contract, and it just totally escaped me like five minutes ago. Good guy. But anyways, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Yeah, Drew Holly has a bunch of incentives tied him. In addition to the minutes played, uh, games played, he's got one just to reach the postseason. Uh, he's got one where he hit certain a, a certain statistical plateau. Uh, I can't remember. It doesn't say in this article I'm looking at, but I remember seeing it somewhere. But it basically said if he let's let's just say for example it was points, assists, and rebounds. So let's say if it was 15, five and five or something, um, whatever it was. I remember. I think he's exceeding it right now. So it looks like he's going to hit that. Um, and then there was one where I think the only one he's basically not going to make is an All NBA uh, nod. That would be a heck of an achievement for him. But that's about the only one when I'm scanning through this. So it looks like he's going to get about three or four, three or four of them, but just miss out on that all NBA one. But here's something you got to keep in mind. As to where Drew's going to likely hit on those, you've got to also then factor in on the guys that won't hit on those. Um, for instance, Alexia Jensen, Omar Sheik, they both have ones where they're tied to games played, and Jensen's certainly not going to make it. And it looks like Oshik's not going to make it either, even though he's back now. He's he's been a DNP. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how many games, but he looks like he's well on his way on this net. And then Solomon Hill also has one where it has to do with how many minutes he plays in the season, as well as 
um, some kind of defensive honor. So it doesn't look like any of those are going to happen either. So as to where, yes, Drew Holiday's going to look like he's going to have a heck of a payday on top of his just base salary. The Pelicans won't have to pay out all of their incentives to all their players this season. So, you know, I mean, I don't know whether you want to call it good news or bad news, but it is what it is. Bonuses just happen, but it looks like at least the Pelicans won't be paying all of them. Ali, great job while you were talking. I was able to get the information. If Holiday appears in 66 games this season, as we said, 2,075 minutes, he'll earn 510K. The bonus is current deemed likely based on the fact that Holiday reached the criteria last season. Holiday also has an additional 255K if he appears in 67 games and averages 7.3 assists and 3.15 rebounds per game. As far as the assists go, he's below that. Mm. Rebounds, though, he's above that. Uh, last season, Holiday played in 67 games and averaged 7.31 assists and 3.9 rebounds per game. Currently, I think he's at around five assists per game, so we're still safe on that. The total value and unlikely and likely bonuses for Holiday is $4.7 million per year. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, first, let's go over to Kevin. Kevin and I have an article about why the Pelicans need to go on a streak now we've already talked about most of it but if there's anything we've gave 10 reasons if there's any of those five reasons that you want to address you know kind of give a preview as to why our listeners should read it uh go ahead and give those now kev yeah i mean i think one is uh fan support i mean you know i i noticed as a season ticket holder every year after after the christmas break people get a lot of uh you know we have one of the cheapest tickets in the league and uh People give a lot of those as gifts for uh, Christmas, and you start to see the, the next couple of games quite full out there. So, you know, we made a lot of fun of the Atlanta Falcons uh, this week for their their home when we played in uh, in Atlanta being pretty much empty. And then, you know, the support the Saints had this week uh, playing a big part in uh, our win against the Falcons, you know, I think that should carry over to the Pelicans. You know, we're on a winning streak and everybody's got Christmas gifts, uh, tickets. So let's fill up the stadium, be loud and support the team. I think that would be a a great thing. All right, Ali, we talked about your article uh, for the past hour. High octane offense has new Orleans on course for 2018 playoffs. I'm going to give you about a minute. Tell our listeners a bit about the article and why new Orleans seventh ranked offense has the Pels destined for the playoffs. Sure. Um, Basically, the offense is something that New Orleans never sees. This is just the third time in uh, their, their franchise history since they've moved here to New Orleans where they will finish, it looks like they will finish with a top 10 offense in the league. And incidentally, the last two times it happened, they made the playoffs. So all of that history basically points to them making it. But what I looked at now most interesting, why I've been harping on the defense, if they can just improve that side of the ball, is the fact that in their losses, they have played really well offensively. Um, they're scoring almost 108 points a game in their losses. They're shooting 46.8% from the field, shooting almost 38% from three. And they have an offensive rating of 104.2. Now, this is all in just losses. Now, if you look at all the other teams, if you look at all their wins and losses, offensive rating, guess what? 12 teams don't even hit 104.2 offensive rating. And that includes the Thunder, uh, the 76ers. Um, and the Trailblazers and a bunch of, of course, the teams that are outside the playoffs. So the Pelicans, even in their losses, have a, a better offense than 12 teams in uh, combined wins and losses. So that is just huge, uh, Preston. It's absolutely huge what this team is doing offensively on a nightly basis, whether they win or lose. And it just means that they're not throwing away games because they can't score points, something that was always an issue, whether it was usually under Monty or the first two years under Alvin. 
So no, this is this is amazing what they're doing right now, um, and, and this is going to get them in the playoffs. But I think as to how much their defense improves is going to show us where they finish in the Western Conference standings. So that's why I'm just going to concentrate on defense now. We're 30 some games in. The offense is clicking every night, basically every night. Make sure you guys go over to thebirdrights.com and check out that article. I read it today. It's fantastic. Uh, make sure you don't miss it. All right, you guys, that's that's it for now. We're right at about the 60-minute mark. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, of course, there's a lot you can do. It's the holiday season. Do us a favor. Follow me at Preston Ellis, at Kevin B for Bounce, and at Ali Cosell. That's O-L-E-H. K-O-S-E-L, in case you have trouble spelling it. I certainly did when I first met him. And uh, also, don't just click the link. Go to iTunes, search the bird rights, hit subscribe, and give us a five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And uh, while you're there, be sure to check out our previous interviews with Jamel McMillan and Justin Ferrier of The Ringer. And above all, you guys, spread the word by retweeting. It's really quick. Just hit that button next to like. It means so much to us. We appreciate it. We also got some great love uh, this week from Michael McNamara of Bourbon Street Shots. So just want to shout out to him. Thank you so much for the love. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, I guess, Kevin, you want to take us out this one? Yeah, I'll just say I'm watching this uh, Brooklyn and San Antonio game right now, and Brooklyn scored 16 points in the first quarter. So that's pretty <laughs> awesome if that would carry over until tomorrow night. Offensive They're saving juggernaut. it for us, Kevin. They're saving it for us. <laughs> but like yeah. I said, these these guys are not so dynamite in the first half. They really turn up the volume in the second half. So look look for a possible explosion against those guys. But you never know. It could be the Spurs, and I I, I could face at this point. Ali, you want to take us out? Yeah, let me just say one thing, and I forgot to mention from the article a stat. Um, over the last five years, only four teams have missed the postseason that have been in the top ten in the offensive rating. 46 out of 50 teams have made the playoffs. So 92%, that's that's the odds for the Pelicans. I'll take them. So you're saying there's a chance. All right, goodbye for now, you guys. Uh, We'll be back later this week. For now, let's go Pels. Thank you for listening to the Bird Rice on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. If you like what you're hearing, take one minute to go to iTunes, search the Bird Rice, subscribe, and rate our podcast today. Let's go Pels. now an ad from dad <clears throat> all right save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with progressive can i take these off all right what is this this looks good wow that's well man. where did you get this i'm talking to you with the hair yeah where did you get this it's good stuff that's solid that's not veneer that's solid stuff progressive can't save you from becoming your parents but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Geico presents, yikes, another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.